It's a be- it's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your radio show host, Randy Fine. In 2004, today's special guest, Mindy, and I actually should have asked her how to pronounce her name. Mindy, what's your, how do you pronounce your last name? Um, Sai. Yeah. Sai, Mindy okay. Sai. Mindy Sai began hearing a voice in her head, someone she called Joe. She found signs everywhere that seemed to hold mysterious clues meant only for her. What she didn't know at the time was that she was experiencing her first schizophrenic episode. For the next decade, she oscillated between two worlds, a normal life and a secret voice-filled one, until she began the journey of merging her two worlds back into one. In her memoir, Becoming Whole, Mindy documents her onset of schizophrenia and the subsequent years spent learning about it and how to live with it. It is her journey to finding solace. Mindy Sai was born in Taipei, Taiwan, and moved to New York City at age 14. She holds a master's degree from Cornell and has worked in software technology. Well, good morning. We've already heard your voice, Mindy, so I'm going to bring you on and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Um, You know, this is a topic that I think a lot of people are curious about. And when we think of schizophrenia, we think of someone who is so altered that um, they can't function in this world. But you were Mm -hmm. 30 years old when you had your first psychosis, and you had already been a functioning adult um, with a degree. And so what was your first symptom that you you had schizophrenia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it, and, and I think back to this period of time over and over again, because I also... Um, want to very much know what was the first thing that made it happen. And I realized it's actually uh, probably a series of little things that all adds up. Um, so at the time, I was, um, I just broke up with my boyfriend. I just got laid off by my first job. And I just moved into a room full of roommates who I didn't really know Um uh, except one person. So it was all new. Everything was new around me. And I think that I became hypersensitive to all the things that, that was new. And so my reaction to, you know, music, listening to music, my reaction to uh, people around me, whether it's strangers on the street or, um, you know, new roommates at home, um, it, it, it actually added like small stress for me. And I think from being hypersensitive to uh, first time having a delusional thought about the music I was hearing um, and that all add up to uh, finally triggering hearing of voices and then finally the, you know, my first breakdown. So I think it's, it's really I feel like it's a it's a, a result of everything around me that changed, and there was too much new things, too much change, and uh, my brain just didn't handle it quite right. Now you come from a family, and you talk about your family in your book, and um, it wasn't such a happy upbringing, and <sighs> you know, your parents argued and. Um, mm-hmm. I believe your mom had the same disorder. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, she did. Okay. Yeah, she also triggered it um, late in life, um, but she has it. Yes. So on oh. my mother's side, there are actually symptoms and and uh, evidence of of mental um, uh, issues, um, but we don't talk about it. It's not something that we 
that I was told about. You know, you sort of just hear it from here and there in, in between lines, if you will. Okay. So is schizophrenia um, inherited genetically? Yes. So there, um, uh, it, it's genetically, uh, so I, because my mother has it, I have a higher percentage of triggering schizophrenia, um, but it is also affected by environmental factors. Um, so that's definitely, you know, both both factors play a role in, in someone having it. Um, but, but because my mother has it, I have a higher chance. Yes. Okay. And um, what is, um, where does this affect us in the brain? Do you know what part of the brain is affected by schizophrenia? Uh, I think it's the front part of, so, so uh, I have seen um, MRI uh, pictures because I've actually um, since then participated in a lot of research work. Um, and I think it's 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 uh, the way they typically explain it to me is uh, it, it is the synapses over the, the front and the middle part of it. So it's all the communications that's happening um, in your brain. Um, so it's actually quite a large part of it. Okay. It's not in the back. It's more in the in the in the front and the middle. Is is my understanding. Okay. Um. So you started hearing it started with the music really and you um the 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 words of the music were just resonating extremely deeply yeah. with you, right? Exactly. Was is right. that what would yes. happen? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I would um I would start I, I would listen to a music, uh, a song and uh feeling that the the phrases some phrases would just so uh, they, they, they just resonate so much with me that I start, um, uh, I, I, I would get emotional. It, it was a very um, a unique experience, and I get emotional. And then as it gets, as this happened more and more, um, I started to question if it was actually a message that someone was sending to me, even though I've never say it out loud to myself that that's what I was thinking. Um, but that was what was in my mind. Oh, is, is there someone? And then I would think of it, and then I would immediately correct myself and say, no, 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 that, that doesn't make sense. But then I thought of it. I did think of it, you know? Yes, and then you found yourself um, getting acting out, um, you know, getting anxious and, um, and having anxiety and, and raising your voice to someone in a way that you never had done that before, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, I'm actually quite uh, calm in general, and my personality is pretty laid back. Um, but very unlike how I usually behave, um, I act at the time when during the first episode, I had a crush on somebody at work, um, and my interaction with him was so unusual. Um, and you, 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 you're, you're right. I actually uh, was upset at something that he said at a party, and then the next day I went to him and I confronted him, and I don't think I ever done that in my life. Um, even though it was a very short conversation, I did, you know, sort of raise my voice, and I think that was very unusual for me. But uh, and I, did you I, realize I it at the much. time? Did you realize it at the time uh, that this was not you? Uh, no, no. I I was just very anxious. I just felt very anxious. And in my head, I just played over and over what he had said at the party that sort of upset me. So I think I was more upset than anything, than being aware of what I was doing. Um, so I think I was just emotionally uh, uh, affected by what he said which was, you know, um, it, it was a, a little bit, uh, if, if you hear what he said today, you probably would think it's not a big deal. Um, but for me, I took it hard for some reason at that time, you know, with my mental, mental state. Okay. And then came Joe. What, how did, how did it start? How did it start um, with the hearing um, of Joe's voice? Uh, it was actually a very ordinary day. I got out of bed 
uh, I was getting dressed to go to work. I remember this very clearly. And, uh, you know, the sun was out. And all of a sudden I hear talking when I was in my room. And I didn't know where it was coming from. And I didn't, I wasn't quite listening to it yet. And um, I was thinking, okay, maybe it's from next door. Um, anyways, I continued to get dressed. And I got out of the house. And when I opened the front door, I thought, hey, let me see if I can still hear this, this person talking uh, when I'm out of the house, right? Because if it's next door, then I won't hear it. I walk out of that house. I paused for like a few seconds. I didn't hear anything. And I thought, okay, it's gone. But then right after that, when I closed the door, I heard the voice said, you know, can you still hear me? Very clearly. Um, it was so clear. It's just like someone standing next to me talking to me. Um, and so I start listening to it. So that was the first time I heard a voice. It was unbelievable, unbelievably clear, um, just like someone real talking. Um, and that's how I sort of got caught in the whole thing. It's actually really, really hard to to differentiate that if you've never had that happen to you. I can't imagine what that must be like. Now, and it, it, the voice doesn't sound like it's coming from you. It sounds like it's outside of you. Yeah, so it sounds like it's from around. It, it really sounds like someone standing next to me and talking to me. Now, um, over the time, I've heard a lot of different voices. Um, so some voices I can sort of say, okay, I think that feels like it's coming from, you know, this corner of the, uh, of the room and, and, you know, uh, there, there's a bit more, I, I thought about it more. So there's a bit more sort of trying to figure out where it's coming from. But the first time I heard it, it literally feels like, you know, as you and I are talking right now, and it just sounds like it's exactly like how I'm hearing your voice right now. Um, that's how it felt, like, you know, a real person talking. Except I'm in, the, I'm in front of my house, I am outside, and I don't see anyone. Um, so it is a very sort of, a, it's a very odd uh, experience to have, you know, to, to have. And at the same time that you're hearing the voices, are you feeling any other things? Any other? Do you feel strange? Does your brain feel strange? Or you feel perfectly normal and you're just hearing something? I, for me, I don't know about other people, but for me, I feel completely normal. So I, there's no headache. There's no, uh, you know, uh, strange sensations. There's nothing. It's just literally um, hearing someone talking. And that's it. Um, and because it's unexpected, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it or I wasn't anticipating it. At this time, I wasn't anxious either. It was just like, oh, someone is talking to me. What? And then my immediate thought was, why, why is someone talking to me this way? And what does he want? Um, so that was sort of my immediate thing. So it's a, a nothing sort of physically, you know, I'm not affected physically. Um, and there, there was no other things. No, not at this time. That's so curious. Um, mm. And I'm sure that you've looked into, um, you know, I'm sure that you've researched this and learned a lot about schizophrenia. Um, mm -hmm. Other people have different experiences. Does everyone have a different kind of experience? Um, yeah, so one of the reasons why I uh, wrote my book is that I feel like a lot of books, uh, I, I have done a lot of research, I've read a lot of books on schizophrenia, memoirs especially, and uh, I feel like um, there is a lack of sharing about, you know, exactly what the experience is around schizophrenia. So I, in the books that I read, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, examples of sort of, okay, you listen to a voice, and the, if the voice tells you to do something, you would do it, right? So if the voice says, you know, take off your clothes in the middle of the street, um, some, you know, people have done that. They take off their clothes. And, um, but I, I think the, the, the hearing of the voices and stuff, I didn't, I didn't find as many examples and descriptions of how that 
how that affect different people. Um, and, and so, you know, I think, the, uh, I definitely have read, uh, you know, emotionally being affected, which is a little bit different than me or physically being affected. Like, you know, you, you, uh, you feel different sensations and stuff like that. So I've read that, but not in detail. I don't think people go into details. Um, and that's why I want to uh, that's why I wrote my book is I want to go into the details and share sort of this is how I feel and um, how it affected me. So that's as much as I know. Yeah, and I <clears throat> I think you did a really good job of that. Um, yeah, you you know you tell your story and you it's it's really interesting. But yeah, for me, <clears throat> um, you know, it really opened up my eyes as to to schizophrenia because as I said in the beginning I think that there's a stereotype of um of what we would expect someone I mean I I have seen um you know homeless people that apparently have it yeah. I don't know if they do and they're yeah. just talking yeah. to themselves constantly you know so I they, guess and there's they probably different do yeah yeah and there's different yeah. <clears throat> there's different degrees of it <clears throat> so what did Joe say to you what was the first thing Joe said to you <sighs> Um, so the first thing Joe said to me was, uh, can you hear me? And I responded back, uh, you know, saying that using, I, t- I talk back and I say, I can. And amazingly enough, and this is where I'm always amazed by our brain, is that Joe actually said back to me and said, don't, uh, don't smile, don't talk, you know, uh, and, you know, that's, you know, don't do that um, because that would look funny to other people. Um, And so I started, since that first moment, I started communicating the way, you know, at least I think I was communicating to Joe through my head. Um, And so I just remember the first thing he said to me, can you hear me Uh, very clearly? Now, on the way uh, as I said earlier, I was on the way to work, and uh, I um, don't remember the rest of the conversation, and I don't also remember. I think he just faded out um, because I think my first uh, voice uh, experience was pretty short, um, and it doesn't it doesn't happen like it, it for me it didn't happen uh, all at once, and it didn't happen all the time it's sort of over time the time you know over time he talked to me more and more and more so it wasn't just like at the beginning when I heard him and I started hearing him 24 7 it was like a gradual increase of his talking um and then um the rest of the time when he talked to me more it's typically you know when I'm doing something like if I'm reading a book he would say oh I don't you know I don't think you should read the book or you should think about something else. You know, I am trying to cook dinner, and he might comment on what I'm doing and said, "Oh, you know, maybe you should think about it." You know, it's uh, you should think about what you're doing. It's something that he might say. Um, so sometimes he comments on what I do, um, and uh, it's it's a very weird sensation because you're doing things and you feel like there's someone who is watching you and making comments about what you're doing. So that's sort of the first set, first time I I heard Joe. Um, And later on, I've heard different voices from friends, and those were a little bit different. Um, So So from a a rational mind, Mm -hmm. how did you explain this? Oh, it took me uh, years. I of course at the beginning um I couldn't explain it right because I'm hearing someone talking to me I since I truly believe that it was someone talking to me now I didn't know you know uh, coming from an engineering background I have an engineering degree um from Cornell for my bachelor's so coming from an engineering background I'm very logical so the first thing I try to figure out is, okay, so how, how does this happen? How, how is this possible? How, is someone, how can someone talk to me this way? And, of course, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out, right? There's no, there's no logical 
answer out of this one. And so I would listen to the voice, and instead of trying to figure out how he was talking to me this way, I was trying to figure out what he wanted for me. Um, again, trying to be logical and say, okay, you must want something for me by talking to me this way, and I'm going to figure out what it is. I mean, I don't have a lot of things. I'm not anyone special. Um, why would you spend all these effort talking to me? So it was all that. And, and, and um, interesting enough, I've never thought of this as a, as a, a mental uh, condition. Uh, I've never thought of it from like a, a healthcare perspective. Uh, uh, never. It, it was because, because of how real the voice sounded. I never questioned, I never sort of made the leap that um, my brain was the one, my brain was the, the thing that was fabricating these, these voices. Um, so that took me a few years, actually, to sort of listen to it, try to figure it out, trying to figure out what's happening. Um, and the thing is, later on, my schizophrenia experience mixed a little bit with, like, real people, right? When I go to the theater, I hear people talking and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, that made it even more confusing because now I do see people and there are things they're doing. And so um, it, 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 it took me a few years to figure out what's happening. <laughs> did, you, <clears throat> did you ever consider spiritual voices? Um, <laughs> I did not. Uh, um and uh, it, 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 so coming from um, from Taiwan, um, there's definitely a lot of belief in spiritual uh, world and, and ancestors guiding you and all that. But I, through my experience, I did not. And it's actually towards the end of my schizophrenia journey that um, when I spent time with my grandmother, she was actually the first person who brought up the fact that you know, you may, this may be spiritual. And, and my doctor actually later on gave me a book, which also talk about the possibility of people thinking of it as a, a, a you know, communication to spirit. To spirit, uh, right. So like late, a spirit guide yeah, or something. It was later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and it's funny because when I was in Taiwan, um, my friends actually say, hey, have you considered, instead of taking medication, have you considered going to the temple? because um, you may have a gift. Um, so it was later on that other people mentioned it to me that that came up, but I had never thought about it that way. And if it were spiritual, it would have been um, very, like, profound kind of guidance. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you, ever, yeah. ask, did you ever ask Joe why he was there, what his purpose was? Did he tell you? Yeah, I did ask him so many times. I I kept asking, and uh, um, uh, and this is why it became frustrating because um, Joe does not talk back to me, unlike a real person. So, um, it, even though he sounds real, even though he speaks uh, words uh, clearly, and he seems to be articulate. In my case, my voice is pretty articulate. Um, this is not a, a, a real conversation. This, this, was, this was not. Um, I would ask him, you know, why are you watching me in my head? And then he would say something random like, uh, you know, look over there or something like that. So it wasn't. And then sometimes when I asked the question, most of the time, actually, I was face with silence, no response. And so it, it becomes very, uh, it's, it's very trying to, to communicate with him, actually. I listen to him is okay, because you just sort of wait and see what he says. That process is not frustrating. But if I try to get information out of him, then that's, that was very frustrating, because he obviously didn't respond to me. <laughs> Did he encourage you or discourage you or um or was it both? Mm. Mm. Okay. So my voice are um Joe and other voices I heard were fairly positive. 
Um, so he never shouted to me. He never um, uh, sort of uh, yelled at me. Um, so that's, I think, in, in schizophrenia, uh, statistics for schizophrenia, that's actually on the rare side. A small percentage of people hear positive voices. Um, so in this case, for example, one day I'm at Starbucks, and I think what I heard was Joe was saying, you should talk to the person next to you and make friends. Um, so that's something that he would say, right? And so I think it's it, from what I heard from Joe is sort of half commands, commands, you know, suggesting what I should do, um, and uh, the other half is probably just like comments on 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 you know uh, uh, you know things like uh, uh, that is just sort of comments on things um, that that is. Yeah, so those, I think, are the two types of things that I heard from him. But he was never um, negative or anything like that. So I, 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 was, not, uh, I was not afraid of him. Um, yeah. Well, you're fortunate in that, yeah, because I Very would imagine that would yeah. be, yeah, that would be rare. Uh, tell us about the diagnosis. How did, how did you come to getting it diagnosed? Uh, yeah, so my my experience with getting care was um, was um, very. I have two different extreme spectrums. So when I first had schizophrenia when I was thirty, I so my my um, ex boyfriend. I asked help for my ex boyfriend, and he managed to get me to the doctor when I was at the end very sort of I was almost immobile and I couldn't speak because I was so stressed out and at that time the voices was uh, happening 24-7 for a, a weekend I think and I think it was hard for me to sleep because the voice was going on so I um, I couldn't sleep and that really messed me up um, so finally, I called my ex-boyfriend for help, and he got me to see a doctor, uh, PCP, and then that doctor referred me to a psychiatrist. And for the first time, I talked to a psychiatrist, but um, I didn't really talk to the psychiatrist. I was not able to speak, and I was totally out of it. Um, so my friends, um, my ex-boyfriend and my friend, another good friend, um, the two of them sort of did the talking for me, and they tried, I, I think they tried as, as best as they can to describe what was happening based on their observation of what I was doing. So I just remember being in the doctor's office in this room, and uh, I remember hearing small click sounds, which sort of reminds me of stars for some reason. And then uh, I don't remember the conversation. I was not part of that first conversation when I was uh, diagnosed as a schizophrenic. And uh, he gave me, he gave us, the three of us, he gave us um, medication to, to uh, the prescription. And so I, they uh, probably went to a, a drugstore, got the medication, and came back and then gave me the medication. I also don't remember the first time I took medication, and uh, I just remember I and I slept for like two days straight, and my I was completely knocked out by the medication. Um, so that was the first time I was diagnosed with me sort of completely not being part of the process um, because I was so out of it. Were you able to continue with the medication, and did it help you? Yeah, so uh, I was, again, very lucky in this re- respect that um, the first medication that I was prescribed was uh, Zyprexa. And uh, through the books that I read, um, a lot of stories and, and in the hospital, you know, later on I was in the hospital, and I've also heard stories from other patients. Um, sometimes people prescribe you drugs and medications that doesn't work. But luckily, I... Zyprexa worked really well for me. So after I took it, my my voice was cleared out completely, and I feel sort of such quietness in my head. Um, it really stood out how quiet it is in my head. Um, and I continue to take the medication fairly, uh, fairly well, um, but there were things that happened that sort of 
later on that I had stopped a couple of times. Um, so for the most part, I was taking it, and for the most part, I was able to work and uh, continue to hang out with my friends and stuff like that for the for after the first episode. Yeah. So for the most part, I took it, but there were times where I didn't. And, and at the beginning, when I was taking it, I, I didn't really understand why I was taking it, actually. Um, I just took it because the doctor told me to take it. But I, I had sort of, I, sometimes I look at the, sometimes people go to bed. So I take it before I go to bed. Sometimes when I, uh, go, before I go to bed, I look at it and I get very confused, you know, at least right after that. And right after the first episode, I look at the medication and I say, you know, why am I taking this? I don't understand because I heard someone talking to me and I don't understand why from that I am taking a pill. Mm. Were you diagnosed with schizophrenia at the time when they, when they gave you the pill? No, they didn't say nobody. Oh, wow. That's a good question. So that's a great question because nobody has said that word to me until I want to say, um, six, seven years later. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, because they don't, I think it's actually, um, I think it's very hard to pinpoint mentally what you have. So a lot of people have different things and a lot of things there, you know, so for example, um, you could have, depression and schizophrenia together or sort of uh, blended and or you can have bipolar and depression or you can have a little bit of schizophrenia and bipolar like there it's mm-hmm. it's a, the it's not so clean cut so I think it sometimes um, sometimes psychiatrists they don't put a label on it until they're sure that they know what it is right so uh, so I sort of get that. But I didn't get a label until I didn't get a, a name of what I have until five, six years uh, later when I actually asked somebody and I say, what do I have? And he was like, this is, you have schizophrenia. So that was the first time someone stated it to me directly <laughs> was later. <laughs> what did it feel like to get that diagnosis? Um... I think by then, five, six years later, I was ready to hear it. Um, I think if I heard it earlier on, I would be confused and I wouldn't know what that meant. Um, But um, the first time I heard it was after I was admitted to the hospital, McLean. And uh, McLean was a completely different experience from the first time I saw um, my first psychiatrist. So I think through that process, I was ready to, I was looking for it. I was, I was asking, I was, you know, instead of someone told me, I was asking, what do I have? I want to know what you think I have. And so I think I was ready to hear it. Well, so you say five years into taking Zyprexa, um, it was five years into taking it since your first breakdown, um, and then, then yeah, you I had another. Then you heard Joe again. Is that what happened? No. So I. Um, so the first episode it was all about Joe, um, and then as time uh, move on in the next, the following, I think it's more like six years. In the next six years, um, I think what was happening was that the the dosage of my medication was probably not strong enough. So I still hear sometimes. Um, voices and 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 it would you know I, I think when I, I I realized for me when I get stressed at work that's when I would trigger another voice episode. Um, so even though I was taking medication, I believe um, that uh, it was not strong enough. So after the first uh, episode, all the other voices I heard were uh, friends, people I knew friends and family, and uh, so I still on and off heard something, not too much, but, you know, on and off, I was still influenced, so then um, when I was 36, I wanted to see if I can uh, become a a single mother by choice, Um, so I talked to my doctor, uh, and uh, I uh, 
he said it was okay to stop taking medication. So I stopped taking medication. I was uh, working on trying to get pregnant. Um, that didn't work out after, you know, and so I decided to stop doing that. And I didn't go back to medication. I actually thought, okay, I am going to find out what happened because there were so many things that confused me that I remembered. Um, and so I went on sort of a, uh, if, you, if you could call it a mission, um, to find out more about Joe and what I experienced. And so because I wasn't taking medication, I was also thinking a lot about what happened um, that actually triggered uh, my second major episode and that second major episode went very differently. And at the end of that, I actually ended up in McLean Hospital. And um, you woke up and you didn't know where you were, right? So what had happened? No, you had an episode no. and they put, they took your friends took you to the hospital? Yeah, I was, uh, no. So it was, uh, to, to me, I feel like the second episode was actually not as, as, as uh, damaging as the first one. But more, more of my friends knew what was happening. So there was a lot of people trying to help me and do things around me. So they, they, they would talk all sort of behind my back and coordinate and try to help me. The intention is good. They were trying to help me. And uh, so one of my friends, after talking to me on the phone, and the, the phone call I don't remember at all, but she said she talked to me on the phone and she felt like she was really worried, so she called the ER. She called the, the uh, emergency line, and uh, so they were strangers, these two strange men who came, and they knock on my door and say, you know, uh, we're looking for somebody, we're looking for somebody. And, of course, I was completely surprised, shocked, um, and so they came in. So these two EMT guys were at my door, um, and they say, we're looking for a girl um, who may need help, do you need help, you know? Um, and because I was, at that time, I was already sort of, I think, three months into this, like, searching mission um, that I felt like I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I tried to talk to the voice. I tried to reason with them. I tried this. I tried that, you know, all the different things, and I couldn't think of what to do, and I felt really stuck. So when the EMT... Uh, guys came I was like okay if you think you can help me I will follow you it, it was like you know I again I'm very lucky that like things worked out this way but I literally gave up when they came knock on my door and so I got into the uh the uh the the ambulance and then from the ambulance I went to the ER they sent me to the ER at MGH and then MGH uh, is affiliated with McLean. So then overnight, they shipped me to McLean, and that's how I ended up in the hospital. So it was totally, yeah, not planned. And, right, it wasn't planned. But were you um, aware the entire time? Because you say when you woke up, you didn't know where you were. Yeah, so I was, uh, when the EMT guys came, I was aware. I was I was fully functioning. Um, and then when I went to the ER, what happened? And, and this, I, so I became very silent. I, I became very quiet when I was at the ER, very quiet. And uh, they gave me, uh, a, a nurse came over and said, um, I, uh, here's some vitamins, take it. And so I took the vitamins. And I think in, in the, they might also be some medication because I am a patient at that hospital, so they have my records, I think. And so I might have taken something that helped me sleep or something. So after I took it, I literally um, passed out on the sofa, I think, according to my friend. And then the from uh, going from the hospital to McLean Hospital, MGH to McLean, I don't remember that at all. So I don't remember being moved. Um, so I have a feeling it's because something I've taken um, that sort of uh, helped me relax or, you know, uh, whatever the right word is. But um, so I fell asleep, sort of like the first time when I took my medication, I just fell asleep completely. 
Um, what was your experience? Yeah. What was your experience like in this hospital? Because you know, at some point, you sort of um, relinquish control, and you're just like, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. while I'm here, I'm just not going to do anything. I don't have any responsibilities. <laughs> uh, what was that like? Yeah. Um, so I woke up and initially was confused about where I was, and then I realized I couldn't get out. Um, because it was locked, I was locked up, um, and my, you know, my personality is not to yell or shout or confront. So um, the the way I handled it was, I say, okay, you know what? If I am here, um, I will work on my problem, um, and I'll try to figure out what's happening. And and the thing is, every time my environment changed, right? So like, for example, showing up in McLean, it, it sort of, it like disrupt my thought process from whatever I was doing before. So it takes a bit of effort to try to remember um, how did I get there? What was I doing? And, you know, all that, right? It's, 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 it, it just, it takes some time to reset. And so it takes me a while uh, in the hospital to say, okay, I was working on the voices and, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what's happening. So if if I am in a hospital locked up, um, at least I'm safe and I can try different things. And maybe these people can help me why I try these things, right, because um, they might be able to help me. So I, uh, that's what I thought when I, when I sort of finally got a little bit more settled. Um, yeah. Um, but again, my, my, my memory of schizophrenia was at that time still very fragmented. You know, I just remember bits and pieces of what happened and, and I wasn't able to tell a story about it yet. Um, so it was again, working with a doctor and, you know, I, I, I'm, I was trying to be, um, uh, I was trying to be productive. I guess that's my, my sort of in, uh, 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 intention at the time. You know, if I'm here, if I can't go anywhere, fine. I'll make the best out of it. So what is your life? So so after you got out of the hospital, um, tell us, you know, what the progression has been like from that point up until now. How are you doing? Okay. Um, so the biggest thing from the hospital is that I think I finally had a breakthrough that I was linking the voices with um, my own brain. Um, but um, they are still, so they, uh, since I got out of the hospital, I actually had one more minor um, tr- uh, episode, very minor, um, and uh, I um, uh still got confused, even though I'm now more, even though now I'm fully aware of what I have and I put the pieces together and like I said, right, sort of merging the two worlds, right, the 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 real one and the imaginary one and now I know they, you know, one is imaginary and how that fits with the rest of my life. Um, so I did merge the two so I no longer live in two. Um, but uh, when the voice came, I still got a little bit confused, but the good thing is I have a lot of friends who are very caring, very supportive. And so when they, and it's amazing, your friends can tell something is off. Um, my friends can definitely tell when I'm off. So they uh, would uh, now ask me questions, try to help and all that. And I would reach out. Um, so other than uh, the minor episode, I've been taking Zyprexa. Um, that has been helping uh, I have not experienced any delusional thoughts, right? I think all that got worked out when I was in the hospital. Um, and then so the only thing that I think that um, happens with me now is if I get a little bit more stress and the stress exceeds the dosage, uh, the, 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 um, uh, exceeds the, what my current dosage can handle, then I would hear voices. Um, and so that's the, only the last thing that I have to deal with and manage. Um, but I have a great relationship with my current psychiatrist. 
Um, and uh, he understands patients very well. Unlike my first psychiatrist, uh, my Dr. F is um, very friendly. Um, we have a great relationship. We talk a lot. Um, and uh, so I feel very comfortable reaching out to him when I need help. Um, so with the, you know, with the right doctor, with the right awareness, and with friends and family supporting, you know, I'm doing quite well, actually. That's amazing. I am so happy to hear that. Wow. Thank you. Wow, that's that's great. And so you know what's going on when it happens, and you know how to manage it. Um, but it took you a long time. How many years did it take you from start to, it was like from 30 to, how old are you now? Uh, uh, I'm right now 46. Um, oh, okay. So when I, yeah, but uh, I, so the first episode was when I was 30. Um, when I got into the hospital, I was 36, 37, uh, around that time, around my birthday, so 36. So the first six years was sort of me fighting it on my own. Um, and then after McLean, uh, it was a few more years of reading and learning and stuff. So I would say approximately it took me 10 years to figure out what's happening, like, completely. Um, you know, six to, ten, uh, six to 10 years is how I think the, the time it took for me to figure it out. Now, is this something that can be helped through um, psychotherapy, or it, it's only helped through medication? Um, I have read a book where a woman was using psychotherapy. So I, I never. So I have a therapist as well, and we meet regularly when I meet the doctor. Um, and you know, most of that uh, is uh, so for me. For me, the biggest symptom, the the thing that sort of caused me the most trouble is the voice. Um, and so I, I've read uh, articles that says if you heard voices and you've taken medication early enough and if you stop taking medication and the voice doesn't come back, then there's a chance for you to just fully recover. So some people does recover. Um, and and then and they just hear it once and it doesn't come back. But for me, um, I have stopped medications and the voice does come back. So for me, I don't think I can stop medication because the the voice will come back. Um, there's you know there's a high probability that the voice will come back. So for me, I think I am dependent on the medication to uh, not hear the voices. Now delusional thoughts and sort of uh, uh, anxieties and all that, I think, you know, I, I think for me, the thought process, the processing my thoughts, I think that's helped by the therapy. Um, psychotherapy, I don't think I ever had, I, I have regular therapy, but uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever had psychotherapy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, I so think you're I living with it. this. Okay, so you're living with this and um, working and having a normal life, yeah. right? Wow. Yeah. Yes, very That's, blessed. You are blessed. That's amazing. Wow. Um, I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, it's it just it's really it's an eye opener, which is why I really wanted to do this, this show because, as I said, you know, people fear this diagnosis, and if anybody out there is listening, and you are you know, having this experience, then you can understand that this is manageable, you know, and the sooner you catch it, probably the, the better, the sooner you get it diagnosed, um, the better off you will hopefully be. Uh, so was there anything else that, did you want to tell us anything else or share a message with us or anything? Yeah, so the only thing that I like to say is that I think, for someone in my situation, was when I was in the middle of the psych, you know, the psychosis, I, I, I had amazing friends who didn't leave me alone, who came knocking on my door again and again, even though I didn't understand what they were doing. So, if you're, if you, if you're, you know, if you have someone who you love who's in a situation, you know, don't give up because your help 
is definitely very much needed. I I I wouldn't be where I am without my friends. Um, so, you know, I just think that the support is so important for people going through something like this. How fortunate you, you were to have such a great group of friends. That's that's unusual, but that speaks about who you are as a person, you know, because you wouldn't have those friends if you weren't a really good friend and a really good person. So um, the, the last question I wanted to ask you is, uh, was your mother any help with this at all? Mm. Yeah, so my mother and I don't have a close relationship. Um, so we've never talked about it, even though she has it, I have it. Um, she is fully managing hers as well through medication, so she's doing well. Um, but we, you know, I think part of culture, part of our personality, we, we never, we, we, we just never talk about it. Maybe in the future, you know, maybe when both of us are ready. Um, but uh, as of now, I don't. I don't think we're ready to sh- to, to share that with each other. Okay. Okay. So um, your book is called Becoming Whole: A Memoir. Where can be- we buy this book? Uh, it's available on Amazon, and uh, you can also request it in your book uh, from bookstores and uh, libraries. Uh, okay. I've gotten it in some libraries, so. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely online uh, on Amazon for sure. Um, but uh, I you can also request it. So okay, excellent. Available. Yeah. And Mindy, do you have a website? Uh, I do. Um, so uh, I I love writing, and I'm continuing to write. Uh, I'm working on my second mem- memoir. Uh, it's a different topic altogether. Um, and uh, it, you can find a lot of information about the current book, Becoming Whole and what I'm working on and what I'm blogging about on my website. It's called mindysai.com, M-I-N-D-Y-T-S-A-I.com. And you can see, you can read the latest there. Okay. Awesome. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and helping so many people reaching out. This is wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm of the same mindset. You know, I don't hold back about my story because I know that my my experience can help others. And so um, you're doing this, you're sharing really a very uh, intimate, deep part of yourself, but in the hopes that others will be able to um, to get some, some help, some comfort, and some tools maybe. Anyway, yeah. uh, thank you so much for being my guest. I really, really appreciate it you um thank coming you so on the much show for having me thank you so you, much it's been great you are so welcome be well stay well <laughs> and uh i hope you never hear joe again <laughs> okay Mindy. Yes. okay right. take care thank all you. right bye-bye so we are out of time today but if you have any comments or questions about today's show you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com may joy and serenity always be yours Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.